Sowing peppers begins in June or July in warm climates and can take up to 5 months to harvest in Mzanzi. In this edition, we share a guide to growing peppers plus tips for new farmers. In our meadow feed segment, we focus on what to look for when formulating dairy cow rations. Stefan Gerike, ruminant technical advisor at Meadow Feeds, joins us to explain the minimum and maximum nutrient specifications, some of the main macronutrients when formulating dairy cow diets, and so much more. As engineers from across the country are gearing up for the South African Institute of Agricultural Engineers biennial symposium in September, we're chatting to Chikondi Gurira, SAIAE's business manager, and Jan Paulsmith, the Limpopo branch chair, for more details about one of the largest knowledge-sharing events within the agricultural engineering community. Our book of the week is The Soul Sourced Entrepreneur, an unconventional success plan. for the highly creative, secretly sensitive and wildly ambitious by Kristen Kane and our farmer tip of the week comes from Bakadi Kanyele, Bumalanga cattle breeder. This is Farmers Inside Track, supported by Food for Mzansi. Inspiration for your business and life. From South Africa's farmers and agripreneurs. Hey I'm Mzansi and welcome to episode 132. of Farmers Inside Track powered by Meadow Feeds. I'm your host Dawn Umdu. We kick off with that promise guide to growing peppers in Mzanzi, plus tips for new farmers. Nicole Ludolf chats to Tandeka Masego, founder of Blooming Fresh Produce. Thank you so much Dawn. Tandeka, can you tell us what some of the things are that aspiring pepper farmers need to know when they start? They need to do their research, they need to get in touch with other farmers. so that they are well informed about what they are going to put on the ground they need to get insecticides ready in case of when pesticides begin to attack they must know the ph level of your soil for each and every particular crop requires a different ph level so they need to start by doing the soil testing see which nutrients lack in your soil and all those things or see which one is too much then if it doesn't balance you have to apply your lime things like that they need to get a market ready first before you plant any crop you need to know when your crops mature where are you going to sell your crops where are you going to take them they need to know the way in which they are going to support their papers they have to know if they are going to be doing trellising if they are going to be doing trellising they have to get their strings ready they have to get their sticks ready can you outline some of the cost involved with setting up a paper operation it's the chemicals chemicals for paper is very very expensive i remember when we had a problem of a cutworm and a problem of potassium deficiency we had to get in a problem of thrips because we had thrips So we had to buy a chemical of which that chemical costed around about 3k just a bottle of 500 ml so it's very expensive you obviously have to get people who are going to be helping you to do pruning to do the weeding and all those things so if you don't have employees it can be costly as well you have to hire them to come and do that work for those particular days or that week Another thing you have to get a lot of pickup crates for when you are harvesting so that it doesn't consume time. Can you tell us a bit about the plant diseases that affect peppers? We had a challenge of blossom endrot because there was too much rain. 
So blossom end rot is actually caused by the soil is forever wet. It doesn't breathe. It's not dry at all. So it causes blossom end rot because of too much rain. It washes off the calcium when it drains too much. And then another thing which affected my peppers was sunburn. There was too much sunlight when I planted my peppers. So that sunburn made my peppers to turn white and when they turn white, they fall. And another thing was trips. Trips, you'll find them in the flowers. They eat the outer part of the fruit. And you see that, you identify that by seeing white lines on your peppers, on your fruits. And if you don't treat it with the tracer that I have mentioned, there is 3,000 rand, you get a problem because it expands. And then you'll find that your peppers are no longer first grade, but they are second grade because of those trips that were busy eating on the fruits. Another challenge was Covepapilla caterpillar. You should spray even before something happens. You spray so we experience that that helicopter it gets inside the fruit and eats the inside of the fruit. It just makes a hole and then it eats the inside of the fruit. Turning your soil can make you see some of the worms that are not good and the worms that are not supposed to be there. You can be able to eliminate those worms by burning them. Or by removing them with your hand, it's not going to be possible, but you can buy that uh, particular insecticide. You turn, you turn, you turn, you turn, and when you spray, they are on top, right? And then they die. And finally, what does the market look like, especially for a new farmer? Before you plant, as I said, for each and every crop that you will, you have to have a target market for that particular crop. Green pepper is not eaten every day, but they actually like using it on salads. You have to make sure that you have a market, you have signed a contract with a certain supermarket that you are going to supply them with your green pepper weekly or each and every after a certain particular days. So they have to get their contracts ready. And if you don't get your markets ready, then it's going to be a problem because it means now your crops have to go to livestock maybe or they will just rot or they will be overdue and have problems. You'll go to the streets. You'll be a street vendor. You'll sell your green peppers on the road. It's still a challenge because it's something that is not eaten every day. I suggest that people look for markets, sign contracts first before they think of planting something that is not eaten every day. You have to be active, go there, prove themselves, get those contracts, sign those papers and deliver those products. Thanks, Nicole. And great having you here on Farmers Inside Track. Tandeka Masejo, founder of Blooming Fresh Produce. Next up is our meadow feed segment. We focus this week on what to look out for when formulating dairy cow rations. Stefan Gerike, ruminant technical advisor at Meadow Feeds, joins us to explain the minimum and maximum nutrient specifications, some of the main macronutrients when formulating dairy cows, and so much more. Welcome, Stefan. Great to have you with us. Hello, Dawn. It's a privilege to be on your series. This week, we're talking all things what to look out for in formulating your dairy cow rations. But before we get into it, I just want to ask you just to tell us a little bit about yourself, your journey in agriculture, and also just more about the work you do at Meadow Feeds. I'm a ruminant technical advisor at Meadow Feeds. I've been here about three years. Before that, I did my BSc and MSc at Stellenbosch University. Now I'm a ruminant technical advisor at Meadow Feeds in Natal. That's really awesome. So you're actually a stone's throw away from where I'm doing this interview with you, which is in Paul. And it's so great to have you with us. So thanks so much for being here. 
Now, I mentioned that we'll be talking about all the things to look out for when formulating dairy cow rations. What are some of the basics when it comes to this and also just the focus of today's discussion? We'll be focusing on what to look for when formulating dairy cow rations. In pasture-based systems, cows are fed a ration in the milking parlor twice a day while the cows are being milked. Before and after milking, the cows normally graze pastures or fed other reserve feedstuffs, such as maize silage. Now, when formulating dairy cow rations, what is the goal of the ration and what do you want to achieve by feeding these rations? When formulating a ration, one aims to balance the total diet by designing a supplement that is complementary to the feedstuffs available on farm. It is thus very important that an accurate assertion of the quality and quantity of the farm feedstuffs are established. Feed samples should be taken on a routinely basis and analyzed in a laboratory to establish the nutrient profile of the feedstuff. The composition of the dairy ration will differ upon the type, quality, and quantity of the feedstuffs used. Ultimately, the ration should supply the needed nutrients so that the cow may reach a full genetic potential. The most important consideration when formulating a dairy cow ration is that the goal of feeding said ration should always be aimed at increasing the farm's profit. Now, when you talk about nutrients, what are you referring to here, Stefan? Nutrients are chemical substances within the ingredient or raw material that gets used by the animal to survive, grow, produce, and reproduce. Nutrients are divided into two categories. One, which is the macronutrients, and are required by the body in large amounts. And two, micronutrients, which are required by the body in small amounts. In general, these nutrients can be classified in terms of protein, non-fiber carbohydrates, fats, fiber, minerals, and vitamins. In the gastrointestinal tract of the animal, these nutrients are further broken down into smaller fractions, which are then taken up and utilized by the cells of the animal. A shortage of a certain type of nutrient can prevent the animal to achieve a certain result. Let's take an example. In the winter, when pasture production is low, cows will normally receive maize silage as a means to maintain their dry matter intake. If the cows are only receiving maize silage, they will experience a drop in their milk production, mainly due to a shortage of protein supply. Protein is critical in the production of milk. It is also possible that one nutrient can be in an oversupply. In spring, for instance, when the newly planted pastures are ready to be grazed, it is very high in protein and can therefore lead to an oversupply of protein, which will cause a reduction in milk production because that protein has to be broken down and excreted, as well as possible fertility problems. There are similar scenarios for over or undersupply of energy, minerals, and vitamins. What should be considered when it comes to the minimum and maximum nutrient specifications that should be desired for in terms of your rations? Feed nutritionists use formulation or modeling programs to help them formulate animal rations. These programs require inputs from the nutritionist. Formulating a ration starts by collecting data and inputting the data into the modeling program. These inputs include, but are not limited to, animal inputs, which is the breed of the animal, the weight of the animal, milk production in liters, milk quality, that is the butterfat and protein percentages, and the body condition score of the animal. The other side is the farm inputs, which can be temperature and humidity, daily walking distance, vertical height of the slope, quantity of pasture or feedstuffs, availability thereof, quality of the pastures or feedstuffs, and also the housing and paddock facilities, the cleanliness and the comfort. Based on these inputs, the program will then generate a minimum and maximum nutrient requirement. Let's look at some of the main macronutrients when formulating dairy cow rations. The first one we'll be focusing on is protein. 
And there are three main components of protein to look when formulating ruminant diets. Number one is rumen-degradable protein. Number two, limiting amino acids, which is methionine, lysine, histidine, and phenylalanine. And number three is rumen-undegradable protein. The first one, rumen-degradable protein, is needed to supply nitrogen to the rumen to support microbial growth and should range between 95 to 11%. Lower dry matter intake levels may warrant lower rumen-degradable protein levels, and levels above 11% will typically lead to low nitrogen efficiency and higher nitrogen losses through urine. Number two, which is the limiting amino acids, drive animal performance from the protein side. The four most limiting amino acids in dairy cow nutrition, as I mentioned, are methionine, lysine, histidine, and phenylalanine. These can be supplied through microbial protein as well as through rumen undegradable protein. And number three is the rumen undegradable protein, which passes through the rumen unchanged and some of it can be digested in the small intestine. It complements the microbial protein that is produced and is necessary for cows producing at higher levels of production. It should range between 4 to 6.5 depending on the level of production. If we look at fiber, there are two main components of fiber, which are digestive neutral detergent fiber, NDF, and effective neutral detergent fiber. The first one, if we look at digestible NDF, that is the fiber component that provides energy to the cow and should range between 17 to 20% in pasture herds. Higher digestible NDF levels will correspond to lower starch levels. Number two, effective NDF, which is a measure of the effective NDF content of the diet that is needed for rumen mat formation. The minimum should be 22%. Diets below 22% are more likely to experience acidosis problems and or higher passage rates. Now, Stefan, as I understand it from my talks with Nalita, that fiber is a very important aspect when it comes to ruminants and when it comes to feed as well. What are some of the other aspects to also consider? The next aspect uh, that we can look at is non-fiber carbohydrates. And the two most important components of non-fiber carbohydrates are starches, that is total and rumen digestible starch, and then also sugars. Now, total starch is the key energy source in most dairy diets, and total starch should be between 14 to 80% of the total diet in pasture herds. Starch levels can be lower if a significant portion is coming from readily fermentable sources. The other component of of starch is rumen digestible starch, which drives rumen fermentation and microbial protein creation and should range between 15 to 19%. If we look at sugar, which supplies a rapidly available source of carbohydrate for rumen microbes, and it should be between 4 to 8.5%. Risk of problems occurring in the rumen are higher at sugar levels above this 8.5%. And then the last component, which is fat. And the most important component of fat is the unsaturated fatty acid level of the diet. High levels of unsaturated fat in the diet are more likely to cause milk fat depression issues and negatively impact NDF digestibility. It should range between 25 to 3.5%. Now, Stefan, we've spoken a lot about the nutrients. And before I get into my third question, could you maybe explain the difference between what is an ingredient and what is a nutrient? Just for some context in terms of the last aspects of what we'll be talking about. As discussed previously, a nutrient is the building block that the animal needs to survive, grow, and produce. An ingredient refers to a single raw material used in combination with other raw materials 
to make a ration. Call it the building blocks of a ration. A single ingredient contains hundreds of nutrients, and the nutrient profile will differ for each type of ingredient. The main ingredients are typically maize, soya beans, sunflower seeds, wheat, and their byproducts, as well as feedstuffs that are being fed on the farm. Now, on that point, Stephen, what are the ingredients that are available? In what quantities is it available? And the price that it is available at at the moment? After setting the nutrient minimums and maximums, the formulation program will then choose a mixture of ingredients so that all the nutrient requirements are met. Today, there are many feed formulation programs available and most are based on the least cost formulating system. The least cost system will ensure that the ration is compiled of the most cost-effective ingredients based on their nutrient specifications, availability, and price. In order to give a ration that is well-priced and able to meet the required nutrient specifications and achieve the desired outcomes. Keep in mind that not all formulation models are created equal and that the nutritionist should be able to trust that the nutrient requirements set by the model are accurate and then the predicted performance should reflect the true nature of the animal as best as possible. The challenge when formulating pasture-based dairy cow rations is that the cows normally only consume a third of their total diet inside the milking parlor from bought-in feeds. Therefore, the rations should be supplementary to the on-farm feeds while providing all the necessary nutrients to enhance the cow's performance. That was, of course, Stefan Gerike joining me on Farmers Inside Track. He is the ruminant technical advisor at Meadow Feeds. Now, in September this year, all roads will lead to the South African Institute of Agricultural Engineers Biennial Symposium. And this week, I'm chatting to Chikondi Gurira, SAIAE's business manager, and Jan Paul Smith, the Limpopo branch chair, for more details about one of the largest knowledge-sharing events within the agricultural engineering community. Great to have you with me. I just want to start by maybe asking you to give us a little bit of detail about yourself, your journey in agriculture, as an agricultural engineer, what you guys do. Let's start with Chikondi, if that's okay. I'm the business manager for the South African Institute of Agricultural Engineers, an agricultural engineer myself with the history of consulting, designing, agro-processing, animal handling, bulk water conveyance infrastructure. But now I've moved to more the business side and I'm running all the operations for the SA Institute of Agricultural Engineers. Thank you so much for being here, Chikondi. And Paul, your turn to just tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do at the SAIAE, and some introductions. I'm currently the South African Institute for Agricultural Engineers, Limpopo Branch Chair, as well as my other hat that I'm wearing as Engineering Manager at Pepperdine International. I've studied mechanical engineering and working with processing of agricultural products and cold chain of fruits, machine and production efficiencies, right through to automation and system integration in the agricultural environment. I see myself not as a mechanical engineer, but part of the agricultural engineering family. Now on that point, Jan Paul, for engineers from across the country, all roads will lead to the South African Institute of Agricultural Engineers Biennial Symposium. That's happening in Tizanin in September this year. Now, tell us about this event. What can be expected? First of the South African Institute of Agricultural Engineers aim to promote the development of the science and technology of engineering in agriculture and agricultural engineering as a profession itself. The Institute is home for all engineers 
technicians and technologists and encourages the dissemination of knowledge, information and ideas across all engineering disciplines relating to agriculture. Now, the aim of this biennial symposium held for the first time in Limpopo, I might add, is to bring the agricultural engineering community of South Africa together to share knowledge and practices in the various fields of agricultural engineering. The symposium will take place over three days, the 21st to 23rd of September, comprising of presentations and field visits where speakers will present on knowledge, experiences and practices drawn from research and industry activity across the various fields that define agriculture and or bioresources engineering. The field visits that I'm talking about include technical tours of nearby agricultural enterprises, to name a few, ZZ2, Northern Timbers, as well as Westphalia. The event will be attended by approximately 150 delegates who practice engineering in the agricultural sector, including representatives of government departments, consulting firms, manufacturing enterprises, farming organizations, and research and tertiary institutions. It sounds absolutely amazing, Jan Paul, just to think about all the knowledge and experience and experts that will be at this event. Now, I understand that valuable knowledge sharing to improve the agricultural industry is a vital outcome at the symposium. What else can be expected for anyone keen to attend the three-day event? In short, very interesting keynote speakers from government and the private sector. I'm not going to go into too much detail. One must attend the symposium to find that out. And then we've got technical tours, as I mentioned, to relevant sites, which includes packhouses, agricultural processing facilities, irrigation facilities and orchards, where operations, design and practical maintenance considerations will be discussed during each tour. We've also got exhibition areas for industry leaders in new technology and innovation. We've got some local area representation, since it's the first time that it's held in Lampopo. And we obviously have a gala dinner evening where awards will be issued to some high-achieving and up-and-coming members of our industry. Now, let me move over to Chikondi. Chikondi, you would list some of the other key focus points for the symposium being hosted under the theme, The Rise of Engineering in Agriculture. I just love the theme. It just sounds so amazing. We want to increase the visibility of young engineers in the industry, Dawn, to promote the work they're doing, link them with seasoned experts in our field, and to just facilitate generational knowledge transfer. Because we're finding as our experts retire, our young ones are not actually picking off of their knowledge. So this is a space to kind of expose them to what's happening in industry. We're also looking forward to showcasing a breadth of the agriculture engineering discipline to officials so that they know what do we do, who are we? So some of the officials were so excited to be hosting the Minister of Agriculture, Minister Angela Togo Didiza, will be present. And the new president of the Engineering Council of South Africa as well, Ms. Rafile Butelezi, who they'll be gracing us as keynote speakers. So we're hoping to highlight the value that agriculture engineers have to offer to South Africa in order to reach our country's agricultural and infrastructure goals. And of course, celebrating that EXA's received their first female president, Rafilwe Butelezi. Our symposium facilitators will comprise of mostly young female engineers, technicians, and technologists who are actually making an impact in the agriculture industry right now in research and government in the private sector. 
So we're also excited to just create a platform for them to run the show this year at our symposium. Jikondi, all I can say is halala to that. It sounds <laughs> amazing. Thank you so much for sharing all of that information. Mm. I think it's absolutely, you know, the place that people will definitely be looking at to come to explore, to network, I think is also vital. So I think yes. that's an exciting part. Now, before we let you go, I'm going to ask for any final comments from your side, anything that we should still be adding, anything that you mm. think is important when it comes to the upcoming symposium. And then maybe just a final message to anyone listening, considering this career or stepping into engineering in the agricultural sector, what should they be thinking about? Well, we'd really like to encourage all engineers, technicians, technologists, government companies, anyone really who's working in the agricultural sector to join us in Senin on the 21st to the 23rd of September at Fairview Hotel. It'll be a gathering of engineering minds. It'll be a showcase of what the engineering profession can do to optimize systems, infrastructure, processes for a better agricultural industry as a whole in South Africa. For anyone who's even asking themselves, what is this agricultural engineering? We design all kinds of infrastructure implements for the agricultural space. So if you're interested to find out more, come to the symposium. We're also going to be inviting some schools to attend as well. So we really want it to be a space where agricultural engineering is accessible for people to learn what we do and see how our best are doing across the country. And obviously, if anyone wants to hear more information about this, www.saiae.co.za. That's our website. Thanks so much for joining me once again. Chikondi Gurira, the South African Institute of Agricultural Engineers, Business Manager, and Jan Paul Smith, the organization's Limpopo branch chair. Next up, and before we let you go, our book of the week is The Soul Sourced Entrepreneur, an unconventional success plan for the highly creative, secretly sensitive, and wildly ambitious by Kristen Kane. Since you mentioned the book, for me, everything started with when I was out of college, I had stepped into what would be considered a very traditional role. I got a job at Ogilvy and Mather, which made all the adults around me very proud of me. And I was in a cubicle and I discovered I hated it, every part of it. And I liked all the people there and I just didn't like the setup. Through many different books I read and finally overcame the fear, I quit to become a musician. And that one terrifying choice just simply changed the whole trajectory of my life. And I thought I was going to go into music and, you know, suddenly be discovered. And what I had to do was step into the music world and become essentially, without knowing it, an entrepreneur. So I learned how to write songs. I learned how to play music. And then I learned how to be my own business as a record label. And in that time, which was the following many number of years, I released seven CDs and a DVD. And as I got better at business and I started hiring coaches and I got more clear and more tuned into what power actually is, people started coming to me and asking me to help them. I wasn't any kind of musician who stood on stage and wrote inspirational songs to go be better or anything like that. It's just people, I think, started to tune into, they knew I was doing the work at some level. And so they'd wait for me backstage. I started talking with people more deeply. And then I started hosting retreats where I live here in Asheville. And that kind of blended in over a few years. I started to realize, oh, this is something I love doing. And that eventually evolved into the business I now have, which is called Up Level U which is a coaching company. And I left the music world behind and then created this. And this grew into a pretty big company. 
unexpectedly. Agriculture is not just about farming. It's about caring, and that's an ideal worth preserving. It's super fresh, it's super soft, and it makes a meal a treat. It's super sure bread and super sure flour. A proud member of the VKB Group. From breakfast to lunch and even birthday cakes, Supershow makes the whole family smile. Find Supershow on Facebook or visit vkb.co.za for more info. VKB, for the love of the land. Remember, if you'd like to review a book or perhaps you have a book suggestion, feel free to email us on info at foodformzanzi.co.za. Now you know I can't let you go without sharing our farmer tip of the week. Now, if you're thinking about farming, but you're not sure about what to farm in which province, especially when it comes to livestock, Pakadi Kanyele, Bumalanga cattle breeder, has some advice for new farmers. For me, for Nguni cattle, I knew that even though Manguni cattle are not from specifically this area, they are well adapted, they can handle the heat because heat and climate change are challenges that our generations are going to have to deal with going forward. So you don't want to have an animal that can't handle the heat when it goes beyond 35 degrees or their flies, or their ticks. You need animals that really are adapted to your area. Otherwise, it becomes very expensive. And I don't think we as South African farmers want to follow models where now we're having to put animals in air-conditioned holes and buy all these imports and always be injecting them with medication. If we can farm as naturally as possible, I think that's where we can become as profitable as possible. And our farmer tip of the week from Pakadi Kanyile, Bumalanga cattle breeder, brings us to the end of another exciting episode. Remember, if you loved it, please rate it and share it with your friends, family members and fellow farmers. From Ido Numdu, Nicole Ludolf, our producer Megan van der Vent, and the rest of the Food from Zanzi team, have an awesome week. Bye for now. Life in South Africa can be a lot. I mean, scroll through Twitter for a minute and tell me I'm wrong. Thank God for South Africans though, right? We're inspiring and even on the bad days, we fight back with a smile. That's why I love Food Form Zanzi so much. They're not ashamed to celebrate the ordinary unsung heroes who work every day to put food on our nation's tables. Go to foodformzanzi.co.za and never miss an inspiring story.